We're back from a long 12-day hiatus. Yesterday, we learned of the passing of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Paul Kogan said, heaven just got even more wonderful. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. On today's show, we're talking a bit about Paul Orndorff in the beginning of the show. Plus, we have some of the key headlines from the last 13 days, including new champions in Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Travis Severance is in the house, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for July 13, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. Hey, Travis, we are back after the longest hiatus here, 12 days. It has been a long 12 days of non-Minutes to Bell Time action. It's weird to not talk about wrestling for that long. I'm afraid that today's show is going to go about 14 and a half hours because we haven't talked about any of these promotions and they're all running live shows now. I'm sure it was a nice pilot cleanser for you. Oddly enough, wrestling is at such a high pace right now. With everything coming back, I think you timed it pretty well, like, going into money in the bank and stuff like that we're really off to the races as discussed smackdown is going to be live this weekend from houston we had the last thunderdome show last night on raw i was watching somebody on instagram that was showing a video of them doing the crew taking down the thunderdome and the monitors and stuff like that and i don't think any of the wrestlers are going to miss it yeah i don't think so either not not when they're put in front of fans next right nobody's going to listen to a live crowd and say man i wish those monitors were back So unfortunately, we do have to start the show with some bad news. The headline is that Paul Orndorff, one of the men uh, that headlined WrestleMania 1 in 1985, is dead at the age of 71. Paul died due to dementia, which is believed to be brought about by head trauma, possibly from pro wrestling. Um, Sad news. Any Paul Orndorff uh, memories out there? Yeah, absolutely. So Paul is a really interesting figure. I think if you take a look at and you were going to go through WrestleMania one, like he headlined WrestleMania one, like he was main event. And before that, his career, he learned wrestling and started wrestling in Florida. And they, they actually, his, his kind of ramp up was Jerry Lawler had gone through mid South and like they needed a baby face with a body and, a, and some way to talk. So they hot shotted him into a program with Lawler. And then he had a lot of different programs there, Ernie Ladd and a couple of the other people that are pretty well known was there. And then eventually, you know, his work with Lawler and stuff caught the attention of, you know, the people up North and stuff. And they, they brought him in and he was on WrestleMania one. He was in the main event for the first survivor series as well. And if you go through and you look at body guys, he was the first actual chiseled body guy. Like we had some bigger guys, Hercules and Don Morocco and Dino Bravo and stuff. And you always talk about Hulk Hogan's 24 inch pythons, but there was never a time when you looked at Hulk Hogan and you were compare him to Paul Orndorff and say, wow, Hulk is chiseled. Hulk was right. big, but he wasn't chiseled. And Paul Orndorff was that guy. And I think the story that follows him around in his career is in WCW, he was an agent over there and he got into an altercation with Vader. There's a number of different takes on it, but the most accurate take seems to be that they needed to do some interview tapings before a live show for WCW and Vader wasn't having it. And Paul went in there after Dave Penser tried to get Vader to come and after Terry Taylor tried to get him to come and Paul went in there and had some words with him and Vader had some unpleasant things to say too. Well, Paul Orndorff had atrophy in his right arm, which caused him to really stop wrestling. Paul ends up like Vader smashes him into this one area and Paul goes down and gets back up and he, he smashes Leon in the face 
and puffed his whole face out and he was bleeding out of his nose and stuff. And Kevin Sullivan said he punted him in the face with the famous flip that he had flip flops on and he kicked him in the face. And Steve Austin corroborates that story as well. And so does David Penzer that he had flip flops on and just took it to him. Well, push came to shove. That was the beginning of the end for Leon White. He after that, there was some suspensions that were going to be levied and stuff like that. And Vader was going to lose six months essentially worth of a contract. And he ended up settling. Pride got in the way. He settled for a lower number. He was on for six more years in WCW. He took a buyout, went over to WWE, and that was the end of it. WWE never was able to really recapture what Vader was in WCW and especially what he was when he was in Japan. So Paul Orndorff was the beginning and the end of that. So a, a bigger deal, a quieter guy. Hall of Fame 2005, inducted by Bobby Heenan. Uh, that was a massive class. You're talking about Hogan, Piper, Orton, Jimmy Hart, Volkoff, and Iron Sheik. Basically, anybody that was on an ice cream WWF bar back in the day. <laughs> the WrestleMania um, 1 class, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well-respected in the locker room. Now, no, the but- interesting thing is he was he's obviously well-recognized as the headliner for WrestleMania 1. You brought that up. For the next year, he actually had a match against Hogan at a house show in Toronto that drew 75,000 people. It was called The Big Event. It was on the WWE Network. I'm not sure if it's on Peacock at this point, but probably 11-minute uh, match disqualification Hogan won by. But 75,000 people to a house show, that's something. That that's is something. Big, that is a big spectacle of a number. He opened WrestleMania 2, too, against Don Morocco. Yeah. Opening contest. You know, that was the double count out. Yep. He was somebody that, that mattered, and I think... Him and Hogan went back and forth a couple of different times at MSG and different things like that. And eventually he just ended up with that injury. But he even said in his own interview, I was making too much money on the road with Hogan matches and stuff like that. Like I wasn't going to stop to take care of himself. And ultimately it's what ended up ending his career. He just didn't get the shoulder taken care of and atrophied the arm and he couldn't lift his arm. And there's a couple of other wrestlers that have talked about situations similar. Arn Anderson being one of them and a couple of Barry Windham, I think, had some atrophy in one of the arms as well. So... Yeah, an interesting guy. There's not a lot of bad-mouthing that anybody said. They, he was tough as nails. They, nobody wanted to really tussle with him. But yeah, one of those one of those guys that like most people revered, and there aren't a, a ton of bad stories out there to find, and I looked. It was actually his son who made the announcement on Instagram that Paul had passed away, so that's how the, the news broke. WWE, on their post, where they honored him, they said he finished his really his wrestling career out at as a trainer at the power plant and they even credited him as one of the trainers of Goldberg. I don't know if that's a real uh, thing to put on your resume. He's a big, massive spectacle. The thing about Paul passing is he's not somebody that I knew was in that kind of a health situation. And the sad thing, at least to me is he's probably like the first one in a long line of these ones that are coming up for us. I know that that Terry Funk's not in great shape. And I know that Mongo McMichael's dealing with some real health issues as well. And Mongo's obviously not in the caliber that Terry Funk or Paul Orndorff was. But I think we're going to see another line of these ones. Now, Paul, sadly, for all intents and purposes, if you take a look at how long he actually lived, he probably beat the average of a good chunk of his peers. It wasn't some kind of a tragedy or anything like that where, where it happened through you know, other means. But I think we have a bunch of these that are coming up, you know? Yeah. Well, sad news to start today, but we do have a whole bunch more news to talk about in the second half of the show. I have a short commercial break, but then we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So stick with us. 
If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out BodySlamClothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20, and all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to BodySlamClothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Monday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Monday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeCani, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a pick'em league to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or and the Body Slam Brigade newsletter. Currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday, it consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at BodySlamBrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. Okay, headlines portion of the show, and when you mess with the bull, you get the horns. At least that's what Bandito got at the beginning of the ROH World Championship main event in Baltimore at Best in the World. But as we've seen everywhere throughout the course of history, that roll-up is tough to beat, and Roosh lost the World Championship to Bandito with an inside cradle. What can happen to any champion really out there? I mean, Roosh, after seven years of title defense, gets beat by a roll-up by Bandito. And uh, much to the shock and amazement of the entire ROH crowd, there were a lot of people that were jaw-dropped. I was certainly surprised. Me I didn't too. think they were going to go from Roosh to Bandito. I thought there was going to be somebody else in between or a bigger name or something like that. But it certainly puts a guy on the map. You're defending PWG title holder That's as right. well. So he's collecting belts a la Myron Reed, who scooped up another one this weekend too. Mm. Yes, Kenny Omega, nowhere to be seen here. Bandito giving him a run for his money. But Bandito is interesting choice for them. He's not somebody that they have been pushing for a long time. He's been around the company for a couple of years now. He's had good matches and everything. He just split out of the Mexa squad group. Bandito's not a guy that they were pushing on top. It was actually very surprised to see him even get the match. And for him to win... The only thing I could say is maybe it was like, okay, this is our big first pay-per-view back. We got fans there. We've got to do some title changes. And wouldn't it be nice if we ended the show with the baby face guy on top, getting the big win, send all the fans home happy. It's not really what happened though, because while Bandito did win with the inside cradle, Roosh and his group, Los Ingobernables, they came out and they beat up Bandito at the end. They pretty much tore his mask off. It wasn't really a go home happy type of moment. But it was nice to see a big title change. Maybe Bandito will have a long title reign. I'm not sure. Roosh was marketed as he's 22-0 and 0 in matches that don't have PCO in them. He's been pretty much undefeated in singles competition except for the one match he lost to PCO. I'm not sure what they're going for, if they're really planning to push Bandito or if Bandito's going to drop it to Roosh in two months. Yeah, so if I look at the show, there's some definitely 
curious bookings, at least to me, in my opinion, the EC3 versus Flip Gordon match. It was super flat with the crowd, and there wasn't anything really going on. You have them in opposite characters. Flip Gordon as this heel, and EC3 as the face. It's weird. It just didn't work. If you switch them back around, and you got EC3 as the arrogant EC3, and Flip Gordon as the face and the upstart and stuff like that, I think it would have been great. The Rouge Bandito thing is certainly a curiosity. I guess they wanted to put headlines out there that the title changed. I thought this was going to be, hey, those of you that don't know ROH or you're checking out the product, here's our very good champion that we have that's had the belt for a long time something to kick the tires shake the rust i thought that this was going to be an establishing of these are the reason why these guys are stars and stuff like that and we saw some of that the pure match was great pco and danhausen is just like a really guilty pleasure for me what a treat And, and it's just it's really you know peanut butter and chocolate like they just go together really well we got this kind of aloof vampire guy with this prometheus promethean pco thing so he was those two were great and you very know nice. uh, very evil the homicide and, and chris dickinson winning the titles too homicide's about 475 years old but man <laughs> look guy look good and him and dickinson together um a strange pairing for me but they took home the tag titles, so that was great like i said the pure match was the pure match was really really good you mentioned um, dickinson homicide birdie king also beat Jay Lethal, so Violence Unlimited had a good outing, except for the fact that Tony Deppin, the fourth member of that group, lost the television championship back to Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee, yeah. yeah. He didn't look totally on board with the beatdown of Bandito after the match, so I'm not sure what we're going to see happen here. Yeah, so maybe there's a story there, right? Um, the, the Latin wrestlers have certainly established themselves in there, and that's definitely a theme that they're trying to go for inside of ROH, and it's, and it's good. All those guys can wrestle. Like none of them are oh, slouches yeah. or anything like that. Like the, you, even the, if you watch the Priso, the Ray Horace Flamita match was really good too. So you're not going to see slow wrestling in there. And it, it's a really nice menu. They do have a nice menu that they're offering out there. It'll be interesting to see where we go with the women's tournament coming up as well to establish that and stuff. But they certainly have done this. Eric Bischoff is really big about let's push a buffet. And they've got a good buffet between yeah. the different selections of stuff that they have to offer. Shane Taylor Productions, they won their six-man match as well. They've got a different, a different look and a different style. And the Briscoes look back like the briscoes again too that women's division they have the tournament they announced the brackets maria canellis announced the brackets for the tournament we still don't know like when all the matches are going to be happening and stuff like that but we've got the brackets chelsea green was announced as a replacement entrant it's because vita von star got removed so chelsea green that made her first post wwe appearance at best in the world not as a wrestler because she has an injured arm, like she has for most of the last couple of years, actually. But Chelsea Green making her ROH debut this past weekend and soon to come to the to the uh, to the ring. Yeah, we'll see. She's got the cowboy Bob Orton arm there. It seems like the the never ending injuries, and she's been made out of glass, which I think, gosh, the number of matches in WWE were pretty small. Um, it certainly was a headline that she was there because she was probably the most outspoken person in the last batch of uh, yeah. releases that they did with regard to how she was handled and things like that. And I don't know, it's a tough thing for me to have you stand on. Like you did, you couldn't work. You didn't work. Like, so we'll actually, see. It's, it's right about now, actually, that the 90 days for the first batch is over. Right. WWE has been generous with letting people out of that 90 days, but the post WrestleMania cutoff is right about now 
So everybody's banking on Slammiversary for Impact being the show that we see some new faces. Sure. And I think that's I think that's probably the reality of it. We're going to see some surprises there for sure. ROH also announced Death Before Dishonor taking place September 13th. That's their next pay-per-view. And it's right up the street for me. It's in Lakeland, Florida. So just a couple hours away. So maybe if you look close, you'll see me in the crowd there. Although I will mention, perhaps some of the reason why the crowd felt a little flat at ROH is because there was the barrier, and then there was about four more feet, and then there was a secondary barrier, and then the fans were beyond that. Yep. And it's a big building, and it didn't, they, I'm sure they didn't draw an enormous crowd. That may be some of the reason why it felt a little flat, too. Sure. I mentioned in the intro that we have new champions in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we do. New tag team champions, and like they're going to be defending at, at Wrestle Grand Slam later this month. It's Naito and Sonata. They beat Zack Sabre and Tai Chi over the weekend, and so they're the new tag team champions, and they've got a defense rematch later this month. Yeah, and they're going to dance and a bunch of one-offs with each other and stuff like that. They weren't busy, so let's hand them the belts for a little while. Right now, they have a guy lower sonority in the stable as the world champion right now. So it's, what are we going to yeah. do with Sonata and Naito? Are we going to break this group up, or are we going to find something else for them to do at the moment? Yeah, Sonata's like the least interesting man in the world, too. Naito has obviously got a lot more character to him than 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 Sonata does. So we'll see how long this reign is. I don't know. Obviously, I'm a big gorilla is a destiny mark so hopefully they just get through this dangerous techers crap and then the gorillas take the belts back for the 500th time so on aew well i was gone alistair black malachi black tommy end whatever we need to call him these days he made his surprise appearance and the news here the news that's really interesting is that alistair black when promoted from nxt to the main roster got his new contract. They did not update his non-compete clause from 30 days to 90 days. He got laid off from WWE, waited 30 days, and there he was in Miami at AEW Road Rager, kicking Cody Rhodes and Arn Anderson in the head. So Malachi Black, Travis, this is a good signing, right? This is a great signing. Super interesting. Fits the mold for creative people. Obviously, he had an entire story written for WWE, we saw snippets of it. One of the interviews that he talked about was, eh, they kind of, you know, they made me tone down this or they toned down that. Toning down is not the AEW thing. They'll let you run with stuff if you want to do it. I think he is more interesting there because there's just more interesting feuds and there's more interesting matches than he could have before uh, versus what he was doing in WWE. I, I liked the, the Nosferatu entrance that he had and I thought the music lined up and I liked how the his name had the symbols and then it changed over to Aleister Black and stuff like that. But it always looked weird, right? Like they couldn't find a way to make the character come across as all this intent, like he's knocking on people's doors. And it, like the Muay Thai with the I'm a dark goth guy is just a, a weird style that didn't feel like for whatever reason, WWE could figure it out. And, and it'll be neat to see this. I know, you know there's some speculation as to like maybe throwing him in with the butcher and the blade in the bunny to, to make an interesting looking faction there because they're all kind of dark and mercenary and that kind of thing. I don't know. MJF was, everything's all about Cody, but you know, he got kicked in the face and so did Arn Anderson. And those <laughs> kicks were legit. I don't know. I was blown away. I, I, 
Obviously, I thought he's on the 90-day non-compete. I bet that doesn't happen again. At least not to their, not when they're not expecting it, right? They are letting some people out, like we saw the sure. green thing and stuff like that. So the, they're letting some people do it, but certainly don't want to be surprised with it. Yeah, and uh, the other thing, too, about AEW is the last two, so moving back to Wednesday now, two weeks, they've had 860K viewership, give or take. So the numbers have definitely been up. And summertime viewership, too, is always going to take a hit. So this will be interesting when we move into the fall in the winter season to see what what kind of numbers they're starting to capture and with them being on the road again and things like that i think it's going to go up and escalate for sure so with that happening and with the raw numbers being the worst that they'd been in i don't know 12 years or something like that last week i don't know what the numbers have been this week because they haven't come out yet i don't know you get aew in the close proximity to raw and it's going to be serious i know that they've been having some conversations about stephanie mcmahon getting out with some of their media partners and trying to sort out how they're going to change things so we'll see well a lot is going to change too it's interesting to look at that and of course wwe's numbers declining and declining they do have a lot going for them with going back out on the road and maybe they'll see a bump there plus they're talking about all the big names being on deck for SummerSlam, so they might get a little bump there too so they could bump themselves back up to where we're not having this conversation right away but the main story here is that aw went away for a month they went to fridays they went to saturdays about half the audience was watching live and now they're back on wednesdays and it's rebounded it's back to basically 100 percent of their audience and they can climb and they need to get those people that only tune in every once in a while to tune in regularly so that they're over a million. Yeah. And I think they're building towards that, like the elevation and darker kind of coming into their own. And we'll see with the new show coming out too. That right. should be interesting to see what happens with that as well. So they've got a lot of, at least they're trying out some new stuff here and there. Um, so we'll see what it does in terms of capturing the audience. Yeah. WWE coming back live. I'm positive. We're going to see the, Monday Night Raw Legends Night featuring the return of the Fiend oh, and Brock Lesnar and John Cena in a rap battle or something like that. It's is on the way because those numbers are are yeah they need to improve very poor they need to improve. Also in AEW news, Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison officially signed with AEW. Brian Pillman's NLW contract expired, so they were able to make that signing. Julia Hart not pictured in the graphic when the Varsity Blondes were announced as being signed. So. It, Looks like they've signed Pillman and Garrison and not Julia Hart. Sign Kylan King. Sign Kylan King, yes. Another IWGP United States Championship match will occur on Dynamite this week. Carl Anderson is getting a shot. And before everybody writes Carl Anderson off as a singles guy, I did write in the Body Slam Brigade newsletter a little article about him last week just talking about some of the single stuff that he did in New Japan. He was a 2012 G1 Climax finalist. The way he got there was winning his block final against Hiroshi Tanahashi, and he had to immediately wrestle the next match against Okada, and he lost. So he lost in the finals of the 2012 G1 Climax. Nothing to be ashamed of there. He also competed in the first the tournament to crown the inaugural Never Openweight Champion. He lost in the finals of that, but two, he's a founding member of the Bullet Club, so he is well credentialed and i know we haven't seen him much outside of tag team wrestling lately but john moxley carl anderson i'll i'm, I'm there for it yeah i i think this is great and it's 
I don't know. It's it feels like a trap match because it feels like oh we got John coming back and yeah. obviously he's taking some time off and this is his first time back and who knows what kind of shenanigans we're gonna end up dealing with and stuff like that because there's shenanigans aplenty around mm-hmm. Carl Anderson and all of Moxley's friends when he took the beat down that he did on the, the multiple kicks in the face um with, for the Bucks. So this is just a this is a weird one. I don't know if they would change the belt on AEW TV, yeah. but. Carl Anderson is an interesting choice. But it's... also, it keeps John involved with the Kenny Omega story because mm-hmm. the Bullet Club, all that stuff. But on the other side of the, the coin, we have what appears to be the Hangman Page build for perhaps Chicago. Maybe not. Maybe they're going to find a way to make that go a little longer. I'm, most people had that pegged for a full year because that would be the one-year anniversary. But now it looks like it's Chicago uh, all out. Labor Day weekend, which would be great because it's also the two-year anniversary of Hangman Page's, I think, his last world championship match against Chris Jericho. Yeah, give me some. I've seen Hangman Page wrestle. This will be the third time in Chicago. First time Jericho Hangman. Second time got to see Hangman Omega versus the Bucks and the best wrestling match I've probably ever witnessed. So it's curious that they decided to blow this thing off because that whole scenario of tag team was where that initial story was starting to unwind and unfold and like we were planting the seeds and stuff like that and uh very different adam page is in a very different spot than he was when we saw him against jericho in the title he had the one good promo and he went into it and he was probably a little green even with his new japan work that he had interestingly though i think he's cooled off since some since that revolution match sure where he was uh tagging with omega so i i don't know what they're going to do between now and september but if this is the september match i think they need to get page going again because he is, he is a fan favorite and everything, but I don't think he's as hot as he once was. So the pop last week when he came out on Dynamite was the biggest of the entire crowd. The, the crowd was hot for him the whole entire time. His feud with Brian Cage, I think, was good. He's had That was his only loss this year. The challenge that AEW is having right now is they it, it's like the opposite of what we're seeing on the other channels. They have so much talent and so many storylines going on, and they don't try to overexpose people so much. And they, they'll they run them a couple of weeks, and then you won't see them for a couple of weeks, or they'll only be in spots and things like that. They're doing all the right things, but I think you're right. I think we're going to see... It's a, he's in this kind of weird space, because we all knew he was going to get to Omega, but is the build then going to be him going through all of Omega's cronies to get there? Because you do need to heat him up a little bit, I and mean, he doesn't have a lot of places that he can go, at least that are obvious to me right now. Right. Now, if they do something, they bring Moxley back and they have a number one contender match between the two of them and he wins that match. That's a pretty good credential. Yeah, right. There. That's the match you need, really, yeah. to, to go. Something like that. So you, you need to have him earn it. Or maybe they heat it. They're, they're teasing us with this now. They have that match and he loses and it delays it a couple of more months and they just work more on, on building him. Not sure what's going to happen, but they're certainly building what it looks like to Chicago. Yeah. All right, I'm going to flip topics over to some WWE stuff because I want to ask you, Travis, what you thought of the Kevin Nash Broken Skull session. And if you didn't watch that, what about the Lex Luger Icon biography? And if you didn't watch that, what about the Nexus by? Oh, you didn't? Oh, that's right, because WWE advertised them all and then pulled them all. And apparently PW Insider is reporting that all of this was due to growing pains from WWE releasing so many people in the back office and then combining their divisions and stuff so this is growing pains on that apparently which is why they advertised and then pulled shows 
before they debuted on Peacock. So Hit Row is this new faction on NXT. They're great. Oh. I'm really enjoying them. <laughs> like, honestly, how do you – three things. Three things one, in a month. In one, a month. Okay, makes sense. I don't mind them holding Nash until apparently it's going to be after Money in the Bank, which I, I – doing it's it that way. pay-per-view weekend. Makes perfect sense to me. I don't mind that. Although I'm a giant Kevin Nash mark, so I'm really excited to but see that. But they made a whole NWO week. That, that's, that's like creating a, a week-long festival and then pulling the headliner and saying, we'll come back in a week and we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, these kind of things have happened before. But yeah, like that was supposed to be the culmination. This is the big right. payoff for the NWO week. But it, and not for nothing, let's be honest. This kind of speaks to, yeah, they had an NWO week, but... Like the big blow off they decided to not do because that's really the WCW product thing. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised that's the direction that they went. But the other two, yeah, the Lex Luger Nexus stuff, like, I'm less interested about Nexus was a time, like, Nexus was happening when I was fading out of wrestling for a little bit. So I didn't get as invested in, with them. But the Lex Luger thing is obviously interesting. Yeah, and I think they just haven't decided when they're going to do the Lex Luger thing. And I'm sure at some point there will be a perfect time for them to do it. But I would have thought it was July 4th, considering the Lex Express and all that junk. They'll find a time, I'm sure. Great American Bash. Oh, yeah. yeah. He has a history with that pay-per-view, too. Great American Bash. So it would have been wise, but didn't happen in any event. Other stuff in WWE... Tegan Knox, Shotzi Blackheart, Tony Storm, all getting promoted to the main roster. All of them had storylines in NXT that are apparently disappearing. Tegan Knox, we waited for weeks for that battery to charge, and it did, and she came out, and she had a little something with Candice LeRae, and now she teams with Shotzi Blackheart on SmackDown. So that's yep. what her new tour is. I'm interested to see what Ember Moon does now. She had that fantastic pay-per-view match a couple of weeks ago that I remarked about, which she worked her ass off in that match and it was insane so i'm curious where she's gonna go next i'm not a massive shotzi blackheart tank fan i don't know she you you got rid of ruby riot and you inserted shotzi blackheart there's a lot of similarities there tony storm i love i think she's great and fantastic i would have liked to see some tony storm I Priestley, but i mentioned not too long ago that at any point main roster could have just pulled in all of the women off of the NXT brand and there was enough in developmental to just rebuild it. So now they have not done that, but they pulled a lot of people up and it'll be interesting to see who from the group of people that weren't really on TV yet, who gets pulled up and put on TV. Gigi Dolan, which is formerly known as Priscilla Kelly. She has a match tonight against Saray because Saray was, trying to get a match with Tony Storm, but that can't happen now. So anyway, Gigi Dolan getting her match tonight. So maybe this is the bringing her out and getting her coming up party. She's had a few yeah. matches before, but... It, it does feel like in case of emergency break glass thing, like they're putting some fresh faces up and stuff like that. But man, you think they'd have a smoother transition. Maybe I'm just bitter because Tegan Knox cost me going perfect on the NXT show last week for my pickums because she interfered in the tag match that I lost. But Gigi Dolan has been sitting or Priscilla Kelly has been sitting there for over a year at this point. No, no, no. I thought it was longer than that, but I, that's, I follow her on Instagram and she's constantly, she's dating Darby Allen. They were married more. They're, they're married and they're not anymore, Correct. but that's the reason why I'm following. Uh, Sare, I, I don't like Gigi's chances here. Sare feels like the one that they're hot shotting, but 
it should be an interesting match. I'm interested to see what her presentation is for sure. All kinds of stuff happened in this 13 days where I wasn't doing, or 12 days that I wasn't doing shows. Selena Vega shows back up on SmackDown. Uh, Fightful is reporting that Sonya Deville's in-ring return is imminent. So you can see there's a million storylines for that. She could go with Liv Morgan. There's some nonsense with Charlotte Flair that was happening on the other brand. Yeah, Sonya going to take that last spot in the women's money in the bank? Like Maybe. It's yeah, pretty we'll curious. See. I don't know. I'll be... I'll probably be pretty annoyed if Liv Morgan doesn't win this Money in the Bank. Yeah, um, it feels like the match was designed for her. She has worked her butt off since Ruby was removed. That Looks even, I mean, as, for... as good as she's ever looked. So I hope that's the direction that they're headed for. They did the whole documentary thing with her too, and I'm like, man, they haven't done anything with her. Like, why are they? This build has been taking forever. Yeah, that was a great documentary. It was different than a lot of the other ones that they'd done. But just a programming note: they fired that guy who made that documentary. So. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> With a lot of people. So I shouldn't laugh about that stuff, but it's comical because WWE's let so many people go. Yeah. Another company that we like to talk about, Travis, MLW, they signed Danny Limelight. And they had their Battle Riot show over the weekend with fans in Philadelphia, the 2300 Arena. I don't have any word on that yet when that's going to air in terms of if it's going to be on BN Sports, if it's going to be a fusion show. It won't be on zone because that partnership dissolved, I guess. But not sure when that all is going to hit. It might just be slow roll down fusion. So we'll see from there. Yeah, it's interesting. Danny's somebody who's been all over the place and all the upper yes. indies and AEW and stuff like that. I'm not surprised that court decided to take a run on him. He probably got him at a really good price and stuff. And uh, things are busy right now. Like I feel bad for these upper, the upper indie card guys, because there's just, you run out of chairs eventually with the TV yeah. places. Thank God the indie wrestling is back and touring and that kind of stuff is happening. And there's so many upper indies that like you can make, I think you can work easily four days a week in most decent territories and stuff now and make a couple of bucks but it's just there's not a lot of shares left mm -hmm. all right well, let's talk about some lineups for the things that are coming up tonight first and foremost we have Karrion cross and johnny gargano for the nxt championship now this to me it seems like okay well this is just going to be carrying cross walking all over johnny gargano throwing him in front of a car and running him over but there's all this talk about carrying cross coming up and he's working these dark matches and stuff maybe this is when this happens so that's tonight. We also have the breakout tournament starting tonight with Ikiman Euro versus Duke Hudson and Saray versus Jeannie Dolan. That's NXT tonight, what's advertised so far. Anything yeah, Cro there? Cross drops the title, Austin Theory interferes, and then they move him up to the main roster, and Gargano, super super NXT guy, gets to hold the belt for an hour or whatever until they move it to somebody else. Until they decide who's going to take it. Yeah, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Cross retains here. I think they just move on with him because – there's no legacy anymore. <laughs> like, they've shown with the last couple of moves on the women's side of things, like they're not going to, they're just going to, they're going to move people when they want to. And I think that's coming here. Yeah. At least when a championship of this stature, hopefully they allow, <laughs> they allow him to drop it tonight and, and then do it as opposed to him retaining tonight and then having no plan to get it off. Yeah. So, although I got to say, I really wouldn't mind that him defending the title at SummerSlam if that was a thing they wanted to do. But I don't know. That it sure, I don't know. The Golden Black brand doesn't get to get out on the main shows very often. It'd be too bad. So Johnny Gargano gets the NXT Lifetime Achievement Award with the belt going on him again and stuff. I think there's a good story there. All right, AEW tomorrow night: Darby Allen versus Ethan Page in a coffin match. Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage. Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks for the FTW Championship. 
Penelope Ford versus Yuka Sakazaki. We hear from the number one ranked Adam Page, John Moxley versus Carl Anderson for the U.S. Championship. What are you looking forward to most on the show tomorrow? Hardy Kate. Yeah, I, I, it might not be the best show, but you're going to see two guys with a long history of wrestling each other uh, lock up for the first time in a long time. And I think they could possibly tear the house down. I would have loved to have been there live just for the nostalgia end of it and stuff. And I think both of these guys still have a couple of years left in the tank. Cages look great. And Hardy's look great too. They've taken him off the air for a little bit and they haven't had him in the ring all that much. So hopefully he's been working through, but it's a pretty stuffed show. Like I don't have a bad match in that card. I'm interested in all of it. I'm not the biggest Yuka Sakazawa fan, but Penelope Ford has certainly improved her in-ring work consistently every single match that she's come out. So hopefully she can deal with, you know, the, the tumbling wizard or whatever they call her in that match. But, you know, the, obviously the Moxley Anderson match that's going to be nice because it's going to be a i'm a new japan style fan and that's the style that we're probably going to see here so the thing about yuka sakazaki coming back is she has a victory over Britt baker Britt baker's going to need some i guess some face challengers it's weird that they're doing nyla versus Britt, but i guess it gets that out of the way but Britt baker's going to need some people to, to wrestle so i got a feeling yuka's going over here and then she'll get her match with Britt to give Britt that win back so. I, I think that Brit is moving into face territory. Like you're just going to, that's fair. You couldn't make her face. So they tried to make her face initially. Her attitude wasn't there for face. Boom. They turn her to heel, great heel work and stuff like that. But the three Pittsburgh shows or the two Pittsburgh shows back to back. Like she can't be a heel in her own hometown. So I think we're going to see this Brit, yeah. the, the Brit shift. And it'll be similar to what Jericho did when we were there. And he said, just cheer for us. And never. Oh, yeah, the inner circle is good guys now. <laughs> I think the yeah. same thing will happen here with Brett. Absolutely. All right. Uh, New Japan did announce their lineup for rest, for the Tokyo Dome show later this month. I'm going to hold on that. We'll talk about that next week. But the, the main event is Takagi versus Ibushi, and that's been out there for a long time. Travis, anything else in the world of wrestling we need to talk about? Nope, I think we're good. I think the only thing that I wanted to mention myself, and I know you get to spend some time with him today, congratulations, Al Carl, on his one-year anniversary with his beautiful wife, Stephanie. The pictures were great. I didn't see a wrestling ring or anything like that, so I was low-key disappointed there. But, man, that lashes on people looked insane. I think the wrestling wrestling ring stuff happens, like, after the party, and I don't think it's meant for visual consumption fair enough (laughs) so with that enough has been said for travis i'm ryan it's good to be back but we'll be back again tomorrow with another show and we'll see you then hit row